travel, it's one of life's greatest pleasures. When we journey abroad, we discover new places and meet fascinating people, but we also gain perspective and take on a wider view of the world around us. That was Trevor Ranges, and I'm Scott Coates. After more than 25 years living and working in Asia, we've developed an amazing network of interesting characters throughout the region. Talk Travel Asia is our way of sharing them with you. Plug in and get connected to hot tips, interesting perspectives, and expert travel advice as we cultivate travel insight through intelligent conversation. Welcome to Talk Travel Asia, episode number 80, Almost Asia, Hawaii for first-time visitors. Hawaii, or Hawaii, lies in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, and while Scott and I have pretty extensive knowledge of the area, we haven't done an episode on the islands as they're not officially part of Asia. That said, Hawaii is not really a part of the Americas either. It lies within what is considered the Asia-Pacific region, which is apt as Hawaii has strong Asian influences, including large populations of Filipinos, Chinese, and Japanese, who over the centuries have contributed diverse cultural influences to the islands, from food to language to clothing. Throw in a large number of Asian visitors, and you'll realize that Hawaii is as Asian as it is anything else. So kick back, crack open a cold coconut porter, and enjoy an episode about my favorite place in the world, the islands of Hawaii. Okay, welcome to Talk Travel Asia. This is Trevor Ranges in Phnom Penh, Cambodia, and with me as always is Scott Coates. How's it, brother? It is uh, good, and you said bra because I remember when I've been in Hawaii, I don't have nearly as much experience as you, but people will say, hey, bra, and they'll kind of do shaka at each other and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's, it's going well. It is a Sunday here. I've just had a great weekend, and pretty excited to chat Hawaii. Yeah, you know, again, we both have uh, spent quite a bit of time there, and uh, we talked about doing it, and there was the whole, is it Asia, is it not Asia, but... Uh, you know, it's something that's fun to talk about. A lot of people go there, so uh, we decided we would share our experiences. Yeah, and I mean, it literally is, you know, halfway in between kind of the Americas and Asia and the Pacific Ocean. And one of the immediate things I was knocked out about when I went was just that there are a ton of people of Asian heritage there. So, uh, yeah, real excited to do this. Trevor, I mean, I think you grew up in Vermont. How did you end up? You lived in Hawaii, right, at a time? Yeah, uh, well, when I was a kid in Vermont, we escaped the snow for the islands pretty regularly, okay. and uh, we went to Hawaii a few times when I was a kid, um, and I spent a lot of time in the water, surfing, body surfing, uh, I almost got killed by some monster shore break at Waimea, uh, we have a photo of that day when my sister literally climbed over me to save herself. Sure. Um, then when, sure. I was, uh, when I was when I was in college, I went to USC in Los Angeles, and my roommate Matt, his mom moved to Hawaii. And my parents had been spending more and more time there, and they kind of found a permanent home in Waikiki. So I flew out a bunch of times when I was going to school in L.A. Um, my parents have been there maybe 30 years now. And yeah. for about four years before I moved to Bangkok, um, I lived in Hawaii full time. Uh, one of the best experiences for me um, in my whole life, really, was a job I had for a few years as a secret shopper for Safeway supermarkets. I think I've told you about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Um, so yeah, they paid for my flight and rental car twice a month to go to Maui, Kauai, Hilo, and Kona. I had season passes to volcanoes and Haleakala National Parks. I camped all over the islands, and I actually started writing a travel guidebook. That was my first foray into to that uh, career. Um, that, that I never finished. It's in a shoebox somewhere at my parents' place. Uh, but I go back to Hawaii every year to visit my family for about a month, and uh, I still travel around the islands a bit whenever I'm home. Yeah, and you are very much Hawaii guy in spirit. When I kind of describe you to people, I'm like, there's many things I use, but one of them is sort of like, yeah, he's, he's a real island kind of guy, like a Hawaii surfer kind of guy. So while you only lived there for, what, you said four years or so? Yeah. I think... You are the ethos of Hawaii as well for a Howley, and we'll get into well Howley is a yeah. Is a I always said guy, that right? uh, I believe that Vermonters have aloha, and I think that Canadian people have aloha as well. You know, so mm. I think uh, the spirit of Hawaii really resonates with me, and uh, and I think it did with you too. And that's what, like you talk about your experience, how you ended up there, and and how you came to love the islands. Yeah, I went there in 2011, kind of due to you because you'd done a leadership program. Uh, with the Asia-Pacific Leadership Program, part of the East-West Center, which is just right next door to the University of Hawaii in Manoa Valley in Honolulu, and you'd recommended it to me, and I went and lived there 
in the student housing, a kind of high-rise building in Manoa Valley for five months in 2011. And I got to say, before I went, I just thought that Hawaii was like a tourist shithole because Canadians that don't have adventurous spirit, yeah, they go to Cancun or they go to Hawaii. So I just thought, yeah. like, oh, Hawaii's just like, yeah, just tourist shithole. And, like, really wasn't expecting much. And then I showed up, and I was on the 12th, which was the top floor of this uh, – student housing building I was in, tiny, tiny little room. But luckily, you could either face the sea, which is hot, or face the mountains. And I had this incredible view of Mount Tantalus and Mount Olympus in Manoa Valley my whole time. And I remember first day, I opened the curtains in my room, and I opened the window, and I just left them open for the entire five months. So every day I would wake up to these, like, mm. you know, steep, kind of probably what are originally sort of volcanic, uh, mountains and lushly covered and it was absolutely incredible and during that time um, I got a quick weekend trip to Maui I went to Kauai with a, a few people from school I went down to the big island with my wife when she visited and I mean I was just constantly knocked out even in Honolulu a city of well over a million I mean the, the water is crystal clear you know we would rent a stand-up paddleboard and we'd regularly see like big turtles like right off the edge of a million person city and yeah it's it's truly an incredible place it, it really blew my mind I've been back since for my parents 15th wedding anniversary took them there in December 2016 it, it's a really special place and one of the most spectacular places I've ever you thought it was a shithole you didn't didn't you ever watch Magnum oh, P.I. or like the I mean, old you know TV they do everything <laughs> with smoke and mirrors but yeah it was yeah, and, and well, I think you're right in some regard. A lot of people think that about, like, Waikiki for sure. But now that you've been there, like, comparing it to, like, other popular places like uh, Patong Beach and Phuket or something like that, you know, it's uh, it's clearly it, It's awesome. Day. And you know what? Just before we go any further, we've started something new at Talk Travel Asia. I mean, you and I do this show for fun, and we do it for passion. And there's costs. There's hosting costs. We pay an editor to do every episode. So we've started an account on Patreon, and we're looking for patrons to sponsor the show. And you can start from anywhere from $1 a month upwards. So if you go to our website, TalkTravelAsia.com, over on the left-hand side, you'll see a button that'll take you to Patreon, or go to Patreon.com and search Talk Travel Asia. If you like this show, I mean, we would really, really appreciate a bit of sponsorship, because again, there are costs. We're up at episode 80 now. You and I have spent, uh, I mean, well over $1,000 each, right, doing this. And yeah, we spend it. Yeah. But, you know, if someone doesn't want to donate money, they can donate... Uh their skills and teach us how to do yeah beer too uh teach us how to do adwords or something like that uh but yeah you know like we we started this as a hobby and it's uh, going strong we should uh we're striving for at least 100 so uh, it'd be cool if you could help us get there yeah that would be sweet so before we get into kind of our recommendations and do's and don'ts i mean i i find the history of hawaii pretty fascinating but i'm also not an expert but should i take a quick stab at like hawaii in in one minute yeah, I saw what you wrote uh, in the show notes, if people want to check those out, uh, and, and look pretty good. So why don't you go ahead? Yeah, and I mean, this is the real quick overview. But about the year 1200, they figure Tahitian explorers navigated with purpose. And this is really important, is that people think that Tahitians just turned up by accident. And they've actually more or less proven that they set out on small boats using the stars to navigate their way to Hawaii. Now, how they knew where Hawaii was, I don't know that part, but they made it in tiny little boats and sort of settled. And then, of course, uh, James Cook arrived in the Hawaiian Islands in 1778 and eventually met his fate there. He was killed by locals in 1779. I believe he greatly offended some local leaders. And one of the biggest impacts of the Europeans arriving was the um, decimating impact it had on local populations because they weren't used to European diseases. So in the 1770s, there were about 300,000 Hawaiians, then 60,000 in the 1850s. So I mean, 80 years later, and then just 24,000 in 1920. So Europeans coming and the diseases they had absolutely decimated the local population. Then the American Board of Commissioners of Foreign Missions sent a group of missionaries in 1820, and they began the first stream of a lot of missionaries who went there. And then the U.S. annexed Hawaii in 1898, 
um, as a territory, and then it became a full-fledged U.S. state in 1959. So, I mean, go to uh, Wikipedia. We've got links. I don't know about Wikipedia, but but, uh, you did note here that Mm. uh, James Michener wrote a book about Hawaii, which I read. Uh, It's a pretty thick book, but it's fascinating. It starts from like prehistoric days as the islands were being formed. And uh, he changes the names of all the players. Um, But actually, when you go around Hawaii, like when I was in Maui, we were in Lahaina and they have the the home of these original settlers that are mentioned in the book. So Hawaii's got a fascinating history. And I, uh, I had to clear my throat there a moment ago, but uh, somewhat controversial history uh, as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, when I went there for uh, to study, I, I got Hawaii, and it's like 900 and some pages. It's a big one, but it's an incredible read. And basically, if you go there nowadays, you'll see all these Asians because they brought Chinese, Filipinos, Japanese migrant workers to originally work sugarcane fields. And the government didn't want too many of any one foreign ethnic group. They were scared that if there was, you know, too many of one group, they would essentially take over at a time. So they would bring one group and then another and then another. And then after sugarcane, pineapples took off. But I mean, that's why today you have this true tapestry of cultures. And it comes through in the food too. When you're in Hawaii, I mean, you can get all these Asian foods. It's really, really cool. Mm. Yeah, and then uh, pineapples is uh, one of those Asian foods because pineapples are not originally from Hawaii. So a lot of uh, Asian plants and animals also made their way to the islands um, over the centuries, you know? So Okay, well, I mean, tell me about, there's what, eight islands that make up um, yeah, the Hawaii chain? There's lots right? of little islands, and the entire archipelago okay. is like wider than the entire United States. That's actually an area that George Bush uh, Jr., W, as a matter of fact, protected a huge area of the Hawaiian Island archipelago. But with people living on them, uh, there's eight main islands uh, from northwest to southeast. They're Ni'ihau, Kauai, Oahu, Molokai, Lanai, Koholawe, Maui, and mm-hmm. the island of Hawaii, or Hawaii. Well done. Yeah, so that brings me to pronunciation. Um, like you mentioned earlier, having not grown up in, in Hawaii, I, I speak Haole, which is, uh, Haole is the Hawaiian word for like a gringo or a farang in Thailand. Right. Um, yeah. But there has been a great Hawaiian cultural renaissance over the past 50 years, and more traditional linguistic pronunciation has been a part of that. So when you're traveling around Hawaii, you'll notice the street signs now have like the accent marks to help you pronunciate them correctly. Um, at the same time, people in Hawaii speak a pidgin. It's a dialect that has its own pronunciation, grammar, and vocabulary um, that is way different than native Hawaiian. Um, when I'm back, really? I didn't know that. Really? How do you mean you didn't know? No. You never heard like people speaking pidgin? You know, I somehow don't feel like I have. I'm sure I had. Maybe I just didn't notice, but wow, okay. Yeah, or maybe if you're on campus. and But what? one of the results of having like Asian people of all different cultures from the Chinese and Japanese and Filipinos you mentioned um, in order for them to communicate with each other in English because English wasn't their native language and they didn't want to teach them English because again they, they wanted to keep them separate and kind of like fighting each other and stuff you know but gradually these cultures merged together and now you have like hapa like hapa haoli is like a half haoli half something else Asian so hapa is a word for like hey that hapa guy he's a uh, you know whatever he's a mixed Asian Howley maybe mixed Asian with another Asian. So hmm. they contributed different words to a language that they collectively could use. And, and that's the Hawaiian pidgin. So I don't, I don't speak Hawaiian pidgin naturally. Um, but when I'm home or I'm visiting my family, I adopt it a little bit. Um, so for the show, I'm going to stick speaking Howley. Though you do notice when I like say, like I use the word pow a lot. Pow means like if something's finished. Like pow hana is like for after drink works, you know? And oh, is that what I mean? I knew Pauhana, but I didn't know what that yeah, like, really meant. Yeah, I, I use it like when I tell ask people, is, like, is that beer pow? You know, like, I'll just say it because that's the word that I think of that I like to use for the word empty. But then, So is that beer finished? Yeah. And then there's words. And we all know that your pigeon is probably best after about eight beers, right? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. It's just like when I'm home, <laughs> when I'm in Hawaii, I pick it up naturally just because it's like, it, it's an easier way of communicating with everybody. So like my favorite word there is dakain. The kind means like whatever you're referring to, like, hey, bring me the kind, that, that, you know, that thing. Yeah. Mm. So you can just use it for, okay. if you can't think of a word or you're just being lazy, you want to just say whatever. You know, this is, I mean, going to be brutally obvious to people that live in Hawaii or have been many times, but when you're naming the eight islands there, if you look at a map, 
it's pretty cool to realize that the islands in the northwest corner are the oldest ones and they're the smallest. And then if you kind of follow them down to the southeast, you get to the newest island. So for example, the big island, the island of Hawaii, is the newest island and it's still growing, lava's still spewing. And then when you kind of, so when you know that and you look at it, it's kind of cool because you can tell that this island is growing, but whereas you, again, as you follow them northwest, these are islands that have sort of moved from that plate and they're older and they've eroded and so forth. So I, I always find that kind of cool. Yeah, there's a, a geological phenomena called a hot spot and, and lava is just mm. for some reason or another, like it's the earth's belly button, like lava's floating up. And then as that continent is moving across the ocean, um, Hawaii is the island that's currently like still erupting lava. But there's a new island, like the next island, that's already starting to be formed underneath the water. And then if you go all the way to the northwest, like I was saying, that that, that area that's since been protected is all these coral atolls and reefs that used to be islands but have sink, since sunk back into the ocean and, and become reefs. Oh, really? Yeah. Don't they don't they say that like the island of Hawaii or something is like the tallest mountain in the world? Because if you follow it from the bottom of the ocean up, it's the tallest that, or something? That's correct. From the base of the mountain to the top of the mountain is the tallest mountain in the world. But more than half of it is on the bottom of the seafloor. Because the ocean is so deep and it comes all the way out from the bottom of the ocean. Um, so mm. it's massive. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's get into it. So what do you love about Hawaii, Scott? You know, clearest water I've ever seen, uh, abundant wildlife, I mean, mountains and volcanoes straight out of the sea that are covered in lush vegetation, diverse cuisine and culture, super friendly people. Um, you know, the islands are so diverse from one to another and even from one side to another. Like usually the eastern side seems to be very lush and wet. You go to the western side. And they're super dry, like most of these islands. I mean, you literally turn a corner and go a few kilometers and it's a desert. So, I mean, just the foods, the cultures and, and, and the water and just the scenery. I mean, there's really like what don't, what don't you like about Hawaii? Yeah, it's incredible. It's interesting you mentioned like the deserts and the jungles because I think actually like mm. every single different type of climate on the earth exists in Hawaii. Mm. So, so what do you what are you enamored with? Um, well, again, there's so much to talk about. I mean, this could easily be several episodes or an episode on each island. But uh, you know, again, like you mentioned, the diversity. Um, if you want some culture, you know, Oahu and Honolulu has the Honolulu Museum of Art, uh, Bishop Museum as Pearl Harbor for like some history, you know. But over on the Big Island, it snows and there's active volcanoes. Um, up on Maui, Haleakala, you can stargaze. The camping inside of Haleakala Crater is unlike anything on Earth. They actually practiced for going to the moon so that they could psychologically prepare right. themselves. And it's over 4,000 meters too, right? It's really high. And it's like, oh, it's so beautiful. It's inexplainable, you know? Um, then there's all the snorkel mm. sites and the surf breaks. There's waterfalls. There's rainbows. There's valleys. Um, Honolulu is a pretty cool city, but like... Every island has such a unique uh, feeling and, and unique attractions. Um, and, you know, like you said, the water is so clean. Everything's quite beautiful because it's so remote from the rest of the world. Uh, those oceans are so deep that the water's super clean, you know. And uh, it's those tall mountains because Hawaii is so far away from any other civilization is the clearest place on Earth to see space. So it's just in so many different ways awesome that you know you could just keep going back every year and, and have an amazing time yeah it really is one of my kind of unofficially declared goals in life is to live there and work there at some point uh since i've been the first time everybody i know i'm like oh you got to go to hawaii you got to go to hawaii one thing before we get into kind of overview of each island is from a travel standpoint it's deceiving how long it takes to get there because i remember when i flew there in 2011 i looked i'm like oh it's halfway between Asia and Canada so it's just going to be like a six-hour flight no it's a it's actually as long as flying to Vancouver or LA because they can't cut up over the north end of the earth over the pole right they kind of got to fly more along the fat part so flying there from Asia is actually still quite a hike it's a long way yeah it's uh when you go, you want to stay for a while because it's uh, far away. People on the West Coast can get out there pretty easily, so they're probably uh, no strangers to some of the places that we're going to talk about. But for others uh, thinking about going, this is kind of an overview for first-time visitors. 
Yeah, and I mean, we'll probably do a second, maybe even a third episode, but this is just kind of like the quick glaze over. So, Trevor, why don't you start us off? I mean, you are definitely the expert between the two of us, but why don't you start us off on the main island where the capital is, Oahu, okay. which means the gathering place. I see you put in the notes, yeah? Yeah, it's uh, Oahu is the gathering place, and it's more than just the, the central island because it is geographically at the center of the islands. Um, okay. But that's also where the, the capital city of Honolulu is. Um, and Honolulu is actually just over, I think it's just over 500,000 people. So it's relatively small. And uh, oh, was that it? Yeah, when I come back from Bangkok, I mean, Hawaii, like Honolulu is a small town compared to Bangkok, yeah? Um, but, it, but there's a lot of buildings. Like, it does look like There's a, a lot of hotels, of too, you know? So, like, Waikiki True. Beach like, is uh, part of Honolulu. Um, but again, it, it's mostly hotels right but a lot of people go there and a lot of people don't necessarily want to go to Waikiki because they they like you probably thought beforehand it's like this tourist hellhole you know um, and it clearly is very touristy um, and it's gone from I don't know it's lost a little bit of character I guess since it's all like Gucci and Prada and stuff like that um, but at the same time it, you know Waikiki is not without its charms and uh, there's some great surf breaks. There's so many different places to surf along Waikiki Beach. Um, it's definitely worth uh, if you're gonna have to lay over a night in your way on your way in or out of Hawaii. Um, it's at least worth checking out um, for a couple days for sure. Well, Honolulu is a great city. Yeah, I mean Honolulu is great, and you should go into to Honolulu for other reasons. But Waikiki in particular, um, I don't know. It's the town and town and country, and, and some people are on the town side, some people are on the country side of uh, which is the place you want to go. So that's our number two for top destinations is the North Shore, uh, otherwise known as the oh, Seven yeah. Mile Miracle. This is one of the top places in the world to surf. Um, Hawaii is obviously the place where surfing was born, and the North Shore is the place where people all over the world travel to test themselves every winter. Mm. Right. Yeah. I've only seen small surf, but it is beautiful up there. And you got to hit a shrimp truck. There's trucks all along the North Shore that sell kind of like, you know, shrimp meals and stuff out of them. Yeah. Delicious. There's shrimp farms up there as well. So yeah, you can get a plate of like garlic shrimp, uh, something like that. We should do an episode on food sometime. We got to get a, a foodie to talk about uh, Hawaiian food, perhaps. Um, the other yeah. top destination is the Windward Coast. My sister lives in Kailua. Um, which is a beautiful town. That's the east side, right? Yeah. Windward is the east? Yeah. Again, the, the east side of the islands you were mentioning earlier are the jungly side. And the west side tends to be um, the drier, deserty side, so the islands. Um, okay. So Kailua, if you've ever watched Lost or, or King Kong or Jurassic Park, you're familiar with these super steep, really green mountains with really deep valleys going down them. Um, any Hollywood movie that's filmed uh, in, in Hawaii... Um, features the, these like shower curtains of, of green steep mountains and uh, they collect all the clouds and, and it rains up there and, and these waterfalls come down and that's why it's so green and beautiful. Um, Kailua, you, you, did you travel out to the Mokes? I think you went out there with Albert one time, yeah? Yeah, you uh, hooked me up with your sister and your friend Albert and they took me paddling out there. Some people were on a stand-up. I was in one of those little, I don't know, a little tiny single-man uh Hawaiian canoe with a kind of a pontoon like and I flipped it yeah. a couple times yeah. and yeah like an outrigger man I flipped it a couple times but yeah it was a great experience nice yeah there's a pair of islands off of uh, Lanikai Beach called the Mokes great spot um, also on the Windward Coast is Kualoa Valley I mentioned all the movies that they filmed there Banksy and I actually when we were in Hawaii last time went up to Kualoa Valley and did the movie tour to see where they film all the different uh, movies they shoot we went inside like one Banksy's of the bunkers your from Lost right? yeah, yeah, yeah. I think uh, that's my girlfriend hey Banksy <laughs> <laughs> uh, why don't you tell us some of the top attractions on the island yeah, I mean, I'm certainly a lot more limited than you. Um, watching surfers or giving it a shot in Waikiki is great. It's still very intimidating as to how to try or how not to get in people's way. But I was lucky enough to try more stand-up paddling. That was really great. And just proximity to the university campus when I was there, I really loved hiking. So if you're in Waikiki, you can just sort of drive slightly north into what's called Manoa Valley, and there's a good number of hikes up there. You can do one through a bamboo forest up to a lookout, 
and I used to go up uh, Mount Olympus. And actually, from the top of Mount Olympus, you can look down the other side to Kailua, where you're talking about, and it is steep. And then there's Mount Tantalus, which is next to Olympus, and I used to ride my bike a lot up there. Um, Kailua on the east is, is, is fantastic. The north is great. Yeah, and, you know, even jazz. Like, I went to the Blue Note uh, Jazz Club a couple of times, which is great. And Chinatown's pretty neat in Waikiki as well. It's uh, it, it's a neat spot if you've got a date. Yeah, you know, again, I think a lot of people conflate Waikiki and Oahu. And, like, they're like, oh, I love Maui. I love the Kauai. But, like, oh, Oahu, I wasn't into that, you know. But I think, like, meter for meter, there's more awesome beaches and amazing hikes and uh, snorkel surf spots, uh, things to do on Oahu than, than any other island. Yeah, it, it, it's it's spectacularly beautiful. There's lots to do. Even a hike to Diamond Head. Tons of tourists go, but that's still nice. Yeah, I, I, it, It's yeah. solid. A friend it's of mine did it recently, and I passed on it. I wanted to see what it was like. But the other touristy place that people talk about is Hanama Bay. It's like the most famous snorkeling place on the island. And I, I yeah. really hope to go, go snorkeling last time I was back. But uh, Hanama Bay is pretty impressive. I mean, there's, there's so many cool things to see on Oahu that I wouldn't necessarily give it a pass. Yeah, it, it's well worth it. I'm a, a big Oahu fan. And then the next island that probably people know the best is Maui, right? What does what Maui mean? Um, Maui is the name of uh, a god or a, a, one of the deities of the Hawaiian religion. But Maui's nickname is the Valley Isle um, because it has okay. lots of these big well, – it's got like a big volcano on it, Haleakala. Um, but there's also a smaller it, – it's kind of like a figure eight shape. Or, or, you know, like a snowman shape with one big circle and one smaller circle, but sideways, yeah? Um, and, there, and there's all these valleys along the island. Um, but I don't know what I was going to say. Maui, I've always had this weird relationship with. I think because so many people are always like, oh, Maui's so much better than Oahu. I was kind of like, yeah, but, you know. But, again, there, there is so much cool stuff on Maui. It, it, again, you could spend a month's vacation just cruising all over and, again, not see and do everything that was possible. Yeah, I've, I've been twice. Once was just a weekend on one beach, and then once was in 2016 with my parents, and we drove around a bit more. I... I feel like I didn't still quite get it, but there's a lot of cool stuff there. You have the road to Hana on our list. I mean, that was an incredible drive. And we also drove even just up through the kind of northwestern part of the island. And all of a sudden, you get down to some pretty crazy, almost single-lane roads along there. Um, there's some really nice beaches. I'm going to butcher this entirely. And Can you please help me? But just kind of east of the airport, there's a town called P-A-I-A. How do you say that? Um, paella? paella? Paella, okay. Paella, and, I mean, paella, a, sorry, yeah. paella. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sorry. And then just next to paella, there's a Ho'okipa Beach Park. <laughs> I, I butchered that. Yeah, and that's an awesome place to see surfing, man. We watched surfers there for a while. And that town, Willie Nelson and Kiss have some restaurants and some great fish and chips at a restaurant there. I mean, it was nice. Maui's got a nice feel. I, I don't know if it completely caught me as much as places like Kauai and the big island that we'll get into down the road. Yeah, that's what I said. Like, I mean, if you go to uh, Lahaina, and Lahaina is an old whaling town. So Lahaina mm. has a certain charm just from uh, its location and, and these old kind of buildings, the history. There's a giant banyan tree in uh, right in Lahaina town. Um, but again, like to me, that has a kind of a touristy vibe as well, you know? But north of Lahaina, up at uh, Honolulu Bay, that's uh, one of the best snorkeling places. Like Honolulu is such a more amazing place to snorkel, I think, than Hanama Bay. And the surfing at Honolulu is like amazing as well. It's just this unbelievable wave. So Maui, it's kind of it's a little bit trickier to get around. I think I think things are just a little bit far farther away than other things are. Like you said, that road to Hana, mm. I would never drive out to Hana just for like a day trip, man. Like I think there's a place you can camp out there called Waianapa Napa. And uh, they have some cottages there, the state park that you can stay in. Where I've heard there's some funky new, like, not bed and breakfast per se, but kind of like hippie retreats. Yeah, but like high-end hippie retreats. So I would probably want to stay out there if I was going to drive all the way out to Hana because it's a mission, man. Did you drive all the way around? No, we unfortunately did not do the Southwest. Uh, some of my family wasn't entirely up for the drive. But, um, yeah. I mean, it's important for people to know that, like, from – 
I'm from Canada and from Western Canada, there's direct flights to Maui. And I would say Canadians probably really favor Maui. So, and I would guess kind of the same with Americans. The hotels there are pretty expensive. Like this is Talk Travel Asia, but the hotel rates are way more expensive. So if you really kind of want to avoid crowds, like you might want to try a different island than Maui. Then again, the bit of experience I've had is like, it doesn't take much to get off the grid. I'm sure you could find like a kind of like hippie Airbnb kind of place and, and like not see anyone else for a week. Yeah, we'll get to that later. But uh, I like camping. I say camp, man. Like camping inside of Haleakala Crater is like one of the most amazing experiences of my life, man. It's That sounds awesome. It's unbelievable. And then again, like Wainapanapa, is, it's awesome out there if you can spend a little bit of time in, in, on the like Hana side. Um, yeah, Maui's not without like some wow. I mean, the whale watching. Yeah, we didn't go this past trip. I haven't been in a while. But we were diving off of Molokini, which is this tiny little crescent-shaped island off the southwest of Maui. And we could hear whales talking to each other in the water. Come so, on. I mean, like... Yeah, well, these whales like travel all the way from Canada to Hawaii every year, and they really like the area between uh, Maui, Molokai, and Lanai, like Koholawe. There's like a little zone there where they just love to jump around. One time, a baby whale jumped on like someone's leg in the back of a boat and broke her leg because it was just having fun jumping out of the water and showing off for the boat. For real. <laughs> yeah, I could see that island. We were going to go snorkeling, and then we didn't end up doing it. So, um, third island I see on our notes is probably, I think, my favorite. What is it? Um, Kauai, I'm going to guess, since that's uh, yeah. next on our notes. It is. Um, yeah, it's the chicken island. Uh, it's yeah. very affectionately <laughs> called that. I mean, there's chickens all over Hawaii now, but there was chickens on the beach. They have beach chickens in Kauai. Yeah, there's chickens know? everywhere in Kauai. So that's going to be your souvenir, like a Kauai chickens hat or Kauai chickens socks. football jersey. I have yeah, chicken like, socks, man. I wear them to work every really? day. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and Kauai is like the oldest uh, of the islands that are inhabited that you're allowed to visit. Um, and it's got a quite small population. It's, you know, similar in size to Oahu, but instead of, you know, a million people, let's say it's got, you know, tens of thousands um, so it's still pretty chill. It's still pretty quiet. Uh, and it's, it's again, it's unique because it's the oldest. Um, it's also the greenest because it's just got these big peaks that just, just pour rain. We were talking about those super steep shower curtain style mountains. Uh, it's got a lot of that. It's the, it features the wettest place on earth. Um, which unfortunately had devastating effects on the town of Hanalei. Like the North Shore, there's some communities in Kauai right now that are completely isolated because the mud has covered the roads and, and they're trapped and destroyed their homes. It's it's crazy. Yeah, this is late April 2016. And they've had record amounts of rains, right? Like absolutely crazy amounts. Yeah, but I mean, you go to see this place and this is still, this is Mother Nature territory, you know, like you can really tell that the people are just, uh, and the people who live in Kauai, they understand that, that, you know, that it's Mother Nature who controls these islands, made these islands, and we just uh, get to, to hang out on them a bit. But it's that spectacular beauty that you'll really appreciate. Out on the West Coast, I actually convinced my dad to, to drive out there. You got to drive through sugarcane trails it's like a little dirt sandy road that goes past barking sands which is a a missile range where they try to do like interceptor icbm missile to missile test which oh, would yeah? be crazy to see at night yeah that's the longest beach in the united states it's called uh polyhale yeah come on i just i'm yeah. looking at it right now on google that's the longest beach really I believe so, yeah. It's, and there's, well, you know, it's funny. There used to, like, never be, like, anyone out there. Like, you could camp. You can camp on the beach out there. Um, and it's pretty spectacular. Uh, when we went a couple months ago, um, I was surprised to see about, like, 30 to 40 people. Um, but there's, like, showers at the very end of the beach. Uh, so people kind of tend to congregate around there. But, like, it's spectacular, yeah. Um, you got to pass by Waimea Valley on the way. Um, and, again, we convinced my dad to drive up there. Banksy, my girlfriend, got a little bit carsick because it's a pretty windy road. There's lots of windy roads in Hawaii. you got to be used to that. Um, if you're going to come to Hawaii and rent a car or something, uh, bring some pills for car sickness. Yeah, my experience on Kauai is two trips. And, and absolutely 
knocked out. Like you said, I mean, it's got the wettest spot on earth, which is kind of, if you go up to Waimea Canyon, so Waimea Canyon is sort of in the center, and it's kind of like a mini Grand Canyon. It's kind of deserty, and it's super dramatic. I really regret not doing a helicopter trip up there. And then as you get up to the high areas, there's kind of forest reserve up high, and they get dumped on with rain. But then when you're at the very north part of that, you're at the north end kind of the Nepali coast, and you look down, probably literally like a thousand meters, maybe not, yeah, probably around there. And and it's incredible. You look down these steep kind of, you call them shower curtain mountains down to the water below. That's amazing. And then I stayed in Princeville on the North Shore um, last time for a while, and it's really nice there. But then you go up to the Nepali coast, if you drive around the north end to the end of the road, there's a really beautiful, beautiful beach up there. We put my parents in chairs there and then hiked along a trail for a few hours. My wife and I also hiked out one day out and back to Hono Onapali Nature Reserve to a waterfall. I've always dreamed about along that Nepali coast on the north is you can do a multi-night hike and take your tent. Um, the south is really nice too. I mean, it, it is really a gorgeous island, man. There's there's everything there. It's it, to me, it's it's the gem. It's the gem. Yeah, I mean, we're down in, in Poipu, and uh, my dad gets up super early, and he'd go for a walk on the beach, and he'd come back and be like, "I saw five monk seals and four turtles just chick- just kicking it on the beach." Um, yeah, you're, you'll often see monk seals sunbathing on the beaches in the south of Kauai. Um, up on the North Shore, you might see a shark or two. They get some big sharks up there. Um, you're saying the Nepali coast. Yeah, you got a book to camp out there like a year in advance or something. They, oh, really? they have all sorts of people. Yeah, you, people are camping there illegally because they limit the number of people that are allowed to camp along the coast. Ah, I didn't know um, you had to book. Yeah. So just in general, we'll talk about where to stay in camping later. you got to go online and, and okay. take care of all that stuff and get your permits beforehand. Yeah, way ahead of it. So kind of like we talk about going to Priyakon Kampong Svei, which I think is probably going to happen soon. Um, I think we should do the Nepali coast uh, sometime, I think. I mean, it's I, I've, I've never done the whole hike, and uh, I really... I would love to. It's high on my list. So um, the next one is uh, the big island, Hawaii. Yeah, it's uh, it's Hawaii. The reason why it's called the Big Island, what do you think, Scott? I think it's probably the largest of all of them. Yeah, it's also to avoid a little bit of confusion maybe because the island of Hawaii is called Hawaii um, and all the other islands have their own names. But uh, the king of Hawaii conquered all the other islands and then he named it all Hawaii. Ah. So the entire place became called Hawaii after his home island. Um, but for convenience sake, now we just say the big island. That's pretty crazy, conquering those islands way back in the day, right? Like sailing a boat across and going to battle. Yeah, you know, they were pretty savage warriors too, uh, and, and not necessarily in a bad way. I mean, like to, to, like, to win these wars that they fought, uh, they did some pretty savage things, and it's pretty fascinating, again, going back to o- Oahu and the Bishop Museum. I went to the Bishop Museum with my grandmother, and, and she was a little bit shocked. It was pretty... Uh, Pretty interesting stuff. Um, on, on the Big hmm. Island, um, it kind of falls into two coats. There's the, the Hilo side and there's the Kona side, yeah? Cause so Hilo, Hilo is, is on the, the east, yeah? East, that's on the east coast and that's the jungly side. And then Kailua Kona or Kona is on the west coast and that's the desert side. And it's just all black lava rock for as far as you can see for the most part. Whereas Hilo is like jungle and it rains all the time. Right, right. Yeah, it's dramatic. Uh, where'd you go? Um, you know, I've flown in and out of Hilo a couple times. I flew, I think, out of Kona once. And then I've also driven up to the north end to Waimea. What does Waimea mean, by the way? Because a lot of places are named Waimea, right? It's uh, Big Water, maybe? Big Water, something like that. Yeah, so I've driven up to Waimea in the north, which is kind of cattle country. And in a weird way, I'm from Alberta, Canada, which is cattle country. And it's, it, it it is as well. You just kind of look, it looks different, but there's cattle everywhere and farming. And that was really great. And then obviously spent a fair bit of time down in Volcano National Park down in the south. And, and that was really, really great, too. I mean, I'll, I'll let you take the lead here and then I'll fill in the blanks a bit. Yeah, I don't know. Again, like for 
like the big island, like the island is big, but like everything's big on the big island, you know? Um, Mauna Kea, uh, which is the, the big volcano where the observatory is. We talked earlier about Hawaii being the clearest place on earth to see space. They have these big telescopes up on top of Mauna Kea um, for observing space. And it snows up there. It's like you said yeah. earlier, it's the largest mountain on earth. It's, it's high enough to snow and they, they do get quite a bit of snow uh, in the winter. Um, Keep sorry, going, I was going to say on the, on the flip side for like valleys, there's a valley up on the North shore called white PO. That's just stunning. And, and we, uh, you know, you're talking about like the Nepali coast. Um, we, it, you need like a four wheel drive truck to get down the, the first side of white PO Valley down to the beach. And then you have to like wade through this river and then you have to scale like the, these, these cutback trails up the cliff on the other side and you walk through the jungle for like an hour or so and then there's this other like spectacularly like massive valley that you can like climb down into and just get lost literally you know i mean uh there's no one out there checking for your park pass yeah i know the place you're talking about because we had a rental car and we went to kind of the start of that gnarly road you're talking about and we drove down a bit and then sort of sensibility kicked in and said no we got to turn back yeah it's a big island and there's like uh, big attractions and, you know, just south of Kona, there's the place where Captain Cook was killed, um, Kealakekua Bay. And I once went snorkeling there and I had one of these like cheap 35 millimeter digital, I mean not digital, 35 millimeter film camera in a housing, um, you know, just like a simple housing for a cheap camera. Mm. And I, I couldn't count all the turtles that I like at like 10 or 12. I was like, I can't even see him. And then these two turtles like swam up right in front of me and turned their bodies at like angles and, and looked like they were going to kiss. And the camera was like out of film, but like some of the most stunning diving, there's like manta rays that you can dive with at night. Um, just the beauty of, of the big Island is, is unbelievable. Yeah, you know, you're talking about Captain Cook is my wife and I, and I'm going to mispronounce it, but uh, called Napupu Park, just near Captain Cook. Man, that was incredible snorkeling. Like you literally just step off black lava, you know, hardened lava, and boom, tropical fish everywhere. It was it was super incredible. And you can get rent sea kayaks right there and paddle out, and there was dolphins swimming around. It was It was incredible. And there's also... Um, more closer to Kona from there, which is as far as you can dive with stingrays. We didn't do it, and I'm kicking myself now for not spending the money. Okay, I'm going to go with Napo Opo O. I think that's probably it. Well, it's, it looks like now people. <laughs> anyway, I hope there's no Hawaiians like, listening to this. They're going to you want to kill us. But uh, It's like the Hawaiian dress. I don't think it's a moo-moo. It's a moo-moo. Yeah. So, I mean, Kona is kind of the west side is where most of the, the tourists are. Hilo on the, the east side, it's a super wet city. There wasn't a whole lot there. There was some nice drives right along the coast, I think, and Akaka Falls was worth a yeah. little look. If I you're, don't know. Like, like you were saying, Kauai is your favorite island. For a long time, it was a tie, like Hawaii and the big, the big island and, and Kauai, just because, again, like – the stuff on the on the big island you can have all to yourself uh we my girlfriend at the time and i when i was doing the safeway thing um i had the season pass to volcano national park and uh there's a beach called halape that uh, is inside volcano national park but you gotta walk for i don't even know it took us like five hours five hours probably and you just gotta walk across like totally exposed lava field it's just this black lava rock that's super sharp and you know, it's like they're boulders and stuff. And you, they just, they build cairns, you know, like a pile of rocks that you could see. Mm. And you just go from cairn to cairn to cairn to cairn across the horizon, like all day. And you come at this stunning beach and, uh, and you have it all to yourself. It, it, it's unbelievable. It's so beautiful. You can camp out there, um, swim, you can do whatever, you know, like it's a really remote and, and stunning place. And then you got to hike out. And uh, when you get back, you got to hope your rental car is okay. Uh, we'll talk about safety in a little bit. But speaking of remote places where there's not a lot of people, there's a couple other islands that people travel to, uh, and you can as tourists. Um, there's one island that we're forbidden from going to because it's reserved for the Hawaiian people. That's Niihau. Um, but the other islands you can visit are Molokai and Lanai. And uh, a friend of ours from the APLP program, 
that Scott and I both did. Zelda, she lives on Lanai. And uh, so a couple of years ago, Banksy and I went to Lanai and uh, checked that out for a few days. And that was just unbelievable. Super beautiful. So what's going on there? Uh, not a whole lot, man. There's like 3,000 people live there. It's got a really interesting history from the days when it was all native Hawaiians to the day when uh, they started growing sugar cane on the island and pineapples. Um, I think just maybe, was it sugar cane or pineapples? I don't remember the history now, but it, yeah, maybe because of the Dole family. But anyway, it's been privately owned for over 100 years, uh, mostly by a single owner. And now it's Larry Ellison from Oracle who, who owns 90, 98 or 99% of the island. Um, which is kind of a unique scenario, but uh, the island has kind of developed in its own way to have some sort of infrastructure that makes it incredibly charming. He built a new Four Seasons there. That's stunning. And there's some great surf at that beach where the Four Seasons is. And, and as usual, we didn't mention it earlier, but like all the coastline of Hawaii is accessible to anyone. No yeah, that's allowed to prohibit uh, the beach. You, you can go to any beach in Hawaii or any coast in Hawaii. Yeah, public access everywhere. That is a very, very cool thing. Yeah. On Lanai, though, you, you need to rent a, a Jeep because you got to do some four-wheeling to get to the most stunning beaches on the island. But uh, it's well worth it. These are places that you're going to pretty much have all to yourself. Um, the other island uh, that I imagine is somewhat similar is Molokai, uh, but I've never actually been. So... Uh, even if you spent tons of time in Hawaii, there's always going to be something that's going to be on your to-do list. And uh, Molokai is mine. Probably a very similar vibe to Lanai. It's got a different history because uh, it was the site of a leper colony. That's when right. They, when they had leprosy in, in Hawaii, the people who showed symptoms of leprosy were sent uh, to Molokai. It's unbelievably horrific kind of conditions. Um, and then uh, now it's like uh, horses and cows and... Uh, you know, a few, some people live in there, a little bit of tourism. Yeah. You know, I just want to, before we move on, jump back to Volcano National Park on the Big Island. I've been twice, and what really knocked me out about that park is that it's truly interesting, accessible for everyone. Like, I went with my wife, and we did multi-hour hikes. Like you said, you had to hike five hours to a beach, right? We hiked for an hour or two out across lava fields, to a little volcano. But then at the same time, when I went with my parents who can't walk really far, parking lots are near like a lava tube, for example, and you can on your phone dial a number and listen to history and information about the area. And so if you go definitely make like two days one night for Volcano National Park. Really, really well done. You go at night and you see the the red lava bubbling in the crater. And I just thought like Volcano National Park, there's there's something and then more for all ages, all abilities. It's accessible for all. They've done a really incredible job. Yeah, at some of the campsites that are like super accessible by road, sometimes you can see like the, the glowing red on the horizon where there's uh, active lava. And I know Kilauea Caldera, um, which when Mark Twain visited was a bubbling lava pit. I don't remember how long ago, but since I've lived in Asia, um, it, it cracked open and was like bubbling lava and stuff. So the conditions change all the time there. And it's not without some danger if you're going to do some hikes to get near the, the lava flows. Uh, you, you might want to check with the park staff there first and not hold me responsible. But uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing that uh, you can experience uh, the, the island being created. Okay, well, we've done a really quick overview of kind of the main islands that tourists visit. Um, let's talk about getting around, Trevor. Um, yeah, it's pretty easy to get from island to island. Uh, you could pretty much only do it by plane now. Uh, they had a ferry for a while, but uh, it's no more. Um, flights, 30 to 60 minutes, depending on how far you're going, like to which island and whatnot island. And the prices vary a little bit, uh, depending on whether there's more than one airline to service the islands, which there, I, I believe, is only Mokalele. There's Mokalele and, and Hawaiian Airlines. Uh, maybe, you know, 60 to 100 bucks each way, um, which isn't that expensive. Um, car rental, yeah, traditionally super expensive. Um, can be like 100 bucks a day for a car. But now there's this thing called Turo. Have you, have you heard about Turo? I have not heard about Turo. Could you tell me more? Turo, <laughs> sponsored by Turo. Turo is like a, it's like a website that lets you rent other people's cars. It's like Airbnb for cars. Really? And uh, 
Yeah. And you can like, you want to rent a convertible because we were thinking about renting a convertible for like a day or two, because that would be a cool way to, to cruise around the island. And you can just rent people's cars and they just set the price and stuff. I, I have some friends. My one friend owns like five cars at, just to rent out to like visitors and stuff. And they keep them at the airport. So like somebody drops it off and then somebody picks it up like the same day, you know? Oh, so wow. uh, that's a great way to, to get a rental car. On Oahu, it, it has the bus. It's called the bus. The bus system, public bus, uh, was rated the best public transportation system in the United States uh, a number of years ago. And now in Waikiki, they have these things called beaky bikes. And it's like a bike that you can rent and like return at another bike rack, but they're literally everywhere. It's not even Waikiki, like all over Honolulu, there's beaky bike racks like everywhere. And, and you can, you know, you shouldn't, but if you're like everyone else who's renting a beaky bike, you could use your phone and ride on the sidewalk and even go the wrong way. <laughs> okay. So we've got our transport. Where, where do we stay when we're in Hawaii? Four seasons. Um, yeah, no, there's some fancy, <laughs> you're talking Maui too, like there's some crazy fancy resorts. Um, and I don't necessarily think it's like, hotels can be really expensive. Like in Waikiki, like the cheapest thing you're going to find is like 120 bucks, I think, for some kind of crappy something, Crap. you know? Yeah, so you might want to like splurge a few nights somewhere in there and stay a couple nights at some amazing resort, you know, whether it's like just the Sheraton in Waikiki or one of these big palatial places in Wailea on Maui. Um, otherwise, I say camp, it, camping, there's such great camping on all the islands and the state of Hawaii has state camp parks where you can book your campsite online and like the best way to get up and close to nature you can go on the beach at night maybe uh you know they have cooking facilities so you can barbecue or grill or whatever uh just make sure you book ahead you mentioned airbnb earlier but generally like in hawaii we frown on airbnb just because people buy houses to rent out on airbnb because they can make a lot of money off airbnb but that's really bad for like those communities who then can't afford rent like people can't afford to rent a place because there's no places for rent because everybody's renting them out on airbnb so don't do airbnb otherwise like they have like timeshares like if you have a timeshare membership like check like they have those a lot of them in hawaii especially on Kauai and maui there's a lot of condos that you can rent like condo complexes and the great thing about them is that like the food in hawaii can be really expensive like dining out in hawaii can be expensive so like a condo yeah. with a kitchen um you know there's still costco and safeway there's farmers markets on all the islands you know um so getting a condo is, is a pretty good option uh on some of the islands I used uh, a site VRBO last time we went with my parents, and it was uh, it was pretty good. I found a really nice you know unit to rent in uh, the North Shore Kauai in Princeville that worked pretty well, and then I found a lot of condos in Maui. Especially, I was just looking there. Condos had their own little website for a particular condos. So a friend recommended a couple individual buildings. And then I looked at their websites and booked them at a, and at a decent price, certainly way less expensive than a hotel. And as you mentioned, it's nice that you can just go to the grocery store and then cook some of your own meals. Yep, I think so. So there are some options. Again, it is a bit more expensive, but it can be a once-in-a-lifetime experience, or it'll be one that you'll want to go back to. Um, there's a bunch of people who live in Hawaii who just went on a one-way ticket or, or just never returned on their return ticket. Um, it can be a challenging place to live, uh, but it's certainly an amazing place to visit. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. And uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks. Uh, we got uh, John Roberts uh, for his third episode ever. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, tented camps in Asia. So until then, ahui ho. Thanks for joining us on Talk Travel Asia. We look forward to sharing with you again soon. Hey Scott, do you remember the time we walked on top of the wall at Angkor Thom and Camp